Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome for wherever you're tuning in, uh, especially from the Sanghas in Madison, Minnesota, Chicago, England, Switzerland, uh, Alpine and Hawaii. So welcome to all of you and the points in between. <clears throat> to start off, I'd like to um, uh, relate a few announcements. One is the repeats, the reminders actually. Um, one is of the, the short intensive that Joel and Todd are going to lead. And those will be on the 5th, 6th, and 7th of November. So that's coming up pretty quick. Registration is out, so you can register if you wish to attend. Uh, it'll take place on Friday night, 7 to 9, and then um, all day. I think it's 6.30 to 5, Saturday and Sunday. If you have any questions, feel free to contact either one of those uh, people, Todd or, or uh, Joel um, for further information. The second uh, reminder is of the upcoming uh, celebration of ceremony for Kevin Frost. And that will be on November 10th at 4 p.m. And it will be, it's planning on doing it in person um, unless something unusual happens, numbers increase drastically in the next week or two. So, and um, it's possible that it will be inside as well. So that would be really nice with social distancing, of course. So <clears throat> that's all the announcements, unless someone else uh, has something particular to announce. And Maria, I can't see but a handful of people. So if you see someone, No, no one's raising the hand. Great, thank you so much. Okay, so um, today uh, I'd like to talk about <laughs> um, well, I'd like I, I would like to um, tell you a story. Uh, I'm, I'm giving a personal <laughs> account of a journey that I've been on for the last year. And that journey is, was made up by a certain uh, news that I received, and then uh, the impact that that had on me, and then subsequently um, uh, I, my working with the Four Noble Truths and the impact that that had on me, and then uh, another impact uh, subsequent to that. So it's kind of a, a longish version. Some of these parts you may have heard about, but now I've kind of put it all together. And, um, and primarily what at the, what at the core of, of the story is, um, no matter what happens, one can and the impact that it has on you, then the Four Noble Truths are so, it's just amazing to me how powerful they are when you really uh, work with them. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then also, um, yeah, the impact of those on, on your life. Okay, so I'll begin the story. Um, 
so uh, I received a telephone call um, from my ex-boss. I used to work at a state agency and I retired seven years ago. I received a, a call from my boss. I had been in touch with her, so it wasn't surprising to receive a call, but she was informing me that the wife of this um, colleague of, not, of mine had passed away. <clears throat> and um, the colleague, uh, his name is Michael, I hadn't seen him in two or three years. I'd run into him after we had both retired just here and there, and then I wasn't seeing him anymore. Um, but anyway, so his wife had died, which <clears throat> in some ways was not surprising in the fact that she had lupus and had suffered um, health issues for many, many years. So, um, you know, it was, it was sad, certainly, but not, not completely shocking. What was shocking was when my boss said, oh, and by the way, Michael has been diagnosed with brain cancer and has been battling that for a while. And that was a shock because I wasn't aware of it. So after uh, talking to her, I spoke to Michael as soon as I was able to. And we had a conversation. Um, you know, I asked him, you know, how is he doing and so forth. And, and with regards to, to Marta, his wife, and then um, I asked him about his health and, you know, he elaborated about where he was. And it was pretty obvious that he was pretty close to the end of his life. Um, <clears throat> and in that conversation, it was such a lovely conversation, despite what we were talking about. Um, he talked about, um, Michael was a very uh, goal oriented person and he was talking about his legacy. What was he going to leave behind? And he was talking about the things that he was proud of. And one of those things is his wife was a Col from Colombia and they had brought kids, relatives up to the States and got them an education. So he was very proud of that. And then he, he proceeded to talk about the disappointments in his life. And uh, some of those had to do with our job and, um, you know, things that he still felt bad about there. So he was kind of covering it all. And he was also talking about the fact that um, he had many things to take care of, I mean, physical things that he had to take care of. And, um, he was trying to get rid of furniture and he was advising me, don't buy a bunch of furniture. You spend a lot of money and you worry all about it. And then here you are, you know, you got to get rid of it. <laughs> um, and he also said, you know, I've got all these books and, and music that I dearly love. And I want to be sure that I have time to, to give those away to people who appreciate them. And he wasn't quite sure if he'd be able to do that, whether he'd have the time to do that. So um, just to step away for a minute, our, uh, my relationship with, with Michael was I'd worked with him for nearly 20 years. And if any of you have ever worked in a small office, you get to know people really well <laughs> over time. We always, it was a tradition, we always celebrated birthdays, you know, so we really got into each other's lives and we went out to eat with each other. and. You know, and we also fought with each other, you know, as like siblings. So all of that was in there. And, and Michael said, you know, we, we did go through some bad patches, 
but I think basically we were friends. And I said, well, yeah, you know, sure. We had a lot in common um, besides work, a lot of things outside of work that we were had in common. So anyway, um, I, I, this was a lovely conversation and, and it moved me greatly. Um, and I did call him again a week or so later, and uh, he he wasn't really um, in a wasn't really in a good way to be talking. It wasn't that he was ill so much as that he wasn't feeling just wasn't feeling good. So anyway, um, we didn't get to speak very long, and then probably within a month or so, he was gone. Um, so probably the primary impact, or one of the impacts that I had from, from having that conversation was, um, you know, I was thinking legacy, legacy. I never even thought about my legacy, just not something that occurred to me. Um, so that was kind of on my mind. And then I was thinking, you know, it, because he was somebody close to my age, he was a little bit older than I, um, and because we were so connected for a long time, um, it just felt like this is getting really close, you know? So I started to think about, hmm, how long am I gonna be here? And probably as importantly, I started to reflect on my life. And I was kind of pulling out different things, kind of sifting through, and sometimes I would just cringe, you know? be ashamed of certain things or just be shaking my head thinking, oh, what was I thinking? And so I was kind of critical of myself in, in retrospect and thinking about my life. And um, so the next big event um, was uh, in January, as you all know, some of you folks were there, we had the uh, Joel and I had this intensive on the uh, dependent origination. And part of, uh, part of what I was charged with to cover was the, the um, 12 uh, link chain of, uh, to liberation as opposed to bondage. And so um, one of the things I was I had read quite a bit about and that I've been talking about is how you could break the chain of dependent origination, particularly with right view <clears throat> and getting clear on things. And another thing that I was focusing on was the, um, the Buddha said that the, the way to break it is um, the, the Four Noble Truths, working with the Four Noble Truths. So <clears throat> in, pre in preparation, <clears throat> excuse me, losing my voice already, um, in preparation for that intensive, I spent quite a bit of time working with the Four Noble Truths. So the first Noble Truth being the truth of suffering. <clears throat> and with that Noble Truth, there's a task. And the task is to completely understand your suffering. To really get to the heart of it. So. I took that very seriously and was, again, kind of coming from what had come before of, you know, this person dying and thinking about my life and so forth. 
Um, <clears throat> I, I realized what my major self source of suffering was, you know, it goes way, way back. It's real deep core beliefs and stuff. And so, um, I said, okay, what is my suffering? Well, my suffering is, my suffering has to do with my mother, of course. We all know that about me. <laughs> it's not my mother, actually, but I started there. And I said, well, what's, what's really going on there? And I realized that um, a lot of my thoughts about myself and my life were formed up very quickly. I think that's true with a lot of people, not all, everybody. And, and it was had to do with my mom was gone, was got sick right after I was born. And so she's, she was away and then she came back. And, and um, anyway, that was, that was really difficult um, being away from your mom when you're so young. And so uh, that was a kind of, I held on to that. And I've always thought that I was the cause of her leaving, you know, kids blame themselves. And, and subsequently, um, Throughout our relationship, it's been one where she just can't see me. So I know you guys have heard all this before, but anyway, she can't see me. So um, I took it, you know, I carried through that. Oh, well, there was something wrong with me that sent her off. And so she can't see me because, you know, there's something definitely wrong with me. So that was, I realized that was my suffering, that there was something so terribly wrong with me. And, and then I finally came to, Um, I had a, I had a, a reality check major one saying, well, you know, um, it's not really true. My mom cared for me. She didn't care for me the way I wanted or thought I needed, but it wasn't the way I wanted. I wanted her to see me and she can't do that. So I've been holding on to this suffering forever about and trying to please her just to make it happen that she would do this. And of course she wasn't ever gonna do that. And, you know, I think Flint told me that for years and years and I went, yeah, 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 so. <laughs> but it never really fell, you know, clearly in my mind that that's what had been going on. And so all of a sudden I said, okay, my suffering is that I want my mom to be different. I'm clinging to that notion and the craving is just i wanted a certain kind of love you know relational love connection of understanding and being able to be seen and that all my life i've been trying to get it from my mom which was obviously a failure and when other people did give it to me certainly but they weren't my mom so it was somehow less than it was a little bit dismissed so um that's a lot of suffering that I was creating and I was complicit with all of it saying yeah well this is the way it is this is the way it needs to be and very hard-headed and very determined. <laughs> so when I when all of that kind of fell together and I realized all that it became very clear all of a sudden I felt like. Gee whiz if I've just lost my identity, you know i'm not who I thought I was. You know this really awful kid that caused my mother to be crazy and stuff um that my mother did care for me in her own way it just wasn't um you know wasn't enough in my mind anyway and so it's like oh well so what am i standing on now what if that's not true 
where am I? And so, um, and part of that process was, what happened was is that seeping in, and this is the task of the first noble truth of compassion for the one who was convinced that these things were true and held on to them for so long. And after holding that for a while, there was there was a compassion, and then there was a, a forgiveness that came in um, as a result of working through that. <clears throat> and I um, and so when I turned back to look at my life again. I saw it very differently from the first time I started looking right after my, my friend Michael had died. Um, all of a sudden, I instead of seeing this person that was doing all these things and I, you know, was obviously not exactly, it wasn't like they were awful, they were just off base, you know, it was coming from, a, coming from a place of really wanting to be cared for, receiving this care that I wasn't getting, this kind of care. And so it wasn't a good place to form relationships and stuff. So, so all of a sudden, I, I, I really felt the compassion for this person that was from being a really young child all the way through time, working under all these assumptions. And so it really changed the way I could look at my life and saying, oh, you know, this is really an unfortunate situation that has transpired and no wonder these these activities and decisions were not maybe the best that they could have been and then starting from from here i say you know there was some questions that uh bit brings up about some of his cancer patients that he was seeing back in san francisco a long time ago i think it was san francisco and how the, as they were getting close to death, the questions that they were asking were, did I love well? Did I live fully? So of course I was bringing those questions up. And, and with these questions, it, it was great because I got, to, I got to really think about that. And, and again, the compassion was able to come in and say, you know, I loved really well in this circumstance and this other one, mm, not so much. You know, and, and, and the same thing with living fully. And it's not about justifying behavior, it's having a more compassionate way of viewing it. And it also allows one to look at where, you, where, where one is right now and say, okay, what is my aspiration for living and for loving? And with that aspiration and with the knowledge that I don't have to be clinging to these other thoughts, I may have other ones now, <laughs> create suffering, but that one's out of the way for the most part. Um, you know, you have this, you can create an aspiration and move towards that, which I thought very, uh, very hopeful sort of things to uh, to pass to pass through and to to have to have. And if it hadn't been for the practice, that wouldn't have. I don't think that would have happened. That change in viewing 
myself, my life, and the future, and, and the world at large. And another part of it is this idea of right view. And one of the characteristics of right view, the three marks in existence, and one of those is no self. That is that, and it's like Flint was saying the other day in uh, inquiry, that we think we're all alone and isolated. And in actuality, we have all these people right here with us at this time, and the care is there. And it's a matter of being aware of aware of that, just keeping that in mind that we have we have companions on on the on this path. And that's a very hopeful, hopeful thing. So <clears throat> let me see if I have anything more to say about this. Oh yeah I do. Um, so uh, Jack Cornfield um, in, the, in the, book, the Path with Heart talks about um, three questions. The two are the same. Uh, do I love or did I love um, well? Did I live fully? And he includes another one of was I able to let go? Which that's another good one to add on, right? which is what kind of what I was talking about, the letting go of the suffering, certain suffering. Um, so I want to read you a little quote from his book. And um, he says, to love fully and live well requires us to recognize finally that we do not possess or own anything. Our homes, our cars, our loved ones, not even our own body. Spiritual joy and wisdom do not come through possession, but rather through our capacity to open, to love more fully, and to move and be free in life. This is not a lesson to be put off. One great teacher explained it this way. The trouble is you think you have time. We don't know how much time we have. What would it be like to live with the knowledge that this may be our last year, our last week, our last day? In light of this question, we can choose a path with heart. So, um, that's about all I have to say about that. And I wanted to do some, some group work, I, um, but I wanna see if there's any questions about any of that. Okay. So um, in the group work, I think I'd like, I, let's see, let me see how many people are here. We've got 18. 18. Okay. So um, why don't we get into groups of three? That might be kind of fun. And um, just kind of hold this question of living well, uh, living fully, loving well, and um, just to sit with it for a few minutes and then maybe um, have an opportunity to talk about, um, about that, it, you know, where we feel like 
um, maybe we stand or is there something that has impacted us that has had had an effect on how we look at our lives now has there been something in our life that may have changed the way that we look at these questions. Um, oh, Can I just ask Laurie if you'd like to be in a room? Sure, I'll be in a room. And I, and I want to say one thing before we get started, and that is that if anybody in your group um, feels uncomfortable with participating with it, doesn't really want to talk, um, they don't have to participate. So just you know, we need to make sure that everybody is comfortable with that. And if they want to, they can. And if they don't, it's not obligatory. And, um, and then if you later on, if you want to share something that your partner said, or your partner said, please check with them first before saying it to the group. And that way, it'll feel safer for everybody. Okay. Um, so you, you were going to say something, Maria? Um, yeah, I just asked if you wanted to be in a group, but you've already answered that. And oh, Kim's okay. just Kim's just raised his hand. Okay, Kim. Well, I really like the third thing that maybe that Jack Cornfield said about letting go. Yeah. Let go. Maybe that could be another one of the three. You know, three things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That seems so important, at least to me. Yeah, they're they're all important, and they all relate to each other. So, um, so I think the way to look at it is what, what does living well mean to you or loving well mean to you? And then um, how do you feel about that? And then what does living fully mean to you? And how do you feel like in that path? And then also um, the letting go aspect. What does that mean for you? And then what is your experience of it? Well, so um, I hope that might have been useful to you all. Does anybody have anything they would like to uh, share or um, bring up about that? Did you learn anything new or? anything yeah Kim. oh sorry uh i learned something from from someone in our group and that was that um letting go is not exactly something you can do that when you like when you try to some whenever i'm told relax my arm it gets stiff <laughs> you know that kind of thing like so you have to find the the thing to do to create that result you know, or it's the same I've thought of like someone who tries to be a famous artist. That would be like surefire way not to be. <laughs> you yeah. know, or yeah. So so anyway, it it's quite a challenge to find what you know what the path is to get the desired result. Uh, I'm gonna be a good meditator today. Boy, that would not work, you know. Yeah, I think it's something about forgetting it, you know, forget the self, that kind of, let it be. I think Joan was next. She didn't put a yellow hand up, but I saw her hand. Yes, I put the, that hand up. Um, 
I was wanting to share something that uh, Ellen said in our group, and it is kind of personal, Ellen, and I, I don't know if you have some reservations about that. You're muted now. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, it's okay. Okay. Well, um, it, it, um, it wasn't the main thing you said, but um, so I've, I've got this thing that I'm trying to let go of and that, that's hard for me to let go of. And uh, Ellen was just talking about her uh, metamorphosis through life and she talks about in the past and, she, and I wrote it down she said I was clueless and I'm sorry people got hurt by that and that was just what I need from this person to let go uh, and that person isn't there yet but it was just so nice that uh, if I think of that then that will be very, very helpful to me. So thank you very much, Ellen. It's a very compassionate response, right? Very compassionate. Compassionate to oneself. Oh. I'll have Anne next. Anne? Yeah, thank you. Um, Kate said something in our group that I really uh, thought was wise about what is living a full life. I mean, how do you how do you determine that? And she was talking about living a life that's in line with your aspirations, mm. your intentions. Because it, like Kim was saying, it's so hard to know. Okay, what what do you do? You'd like to have some some instruction about how to love well, how to live a good life. What do those things mean? And it seemed very wise to think about what are your aspirations and am I living in line with those or am I trying to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Anne. Got Nelda. Um. Kim got me to thinking about how hard it is to just let go. And it reminded me of some of the things I learned in some of the communications courses I took. So it, this has been helpful to me in uh, moving closer to getting done what I'd like to get done in my life and in my actions rather than you know, making it harder. And it's sort of the old don't think of pink elephants you know as soon as you say that that's that's all you can think of so um, the approach that i was taught that has been helpful to me is rather than phrasing it in what you don't want to do or like just let go or like don't cling is to phrase it in terms of what you do want to do and i've shared this with everyone because i am so <laughs> working with this little quote from october second 2021 calendar it starts out with just let go and as Kim said when you focus on that your muscles tighten up right but then it goes on to do it in a way that's beautiful and describes one way of doing that which is let go of how you thought your life should be 
and embrace the life that is trying to work its way into your consciousness. And when I focus on that, on, on that possible means uh, that will create a letting go, which is focus on the life around me, you here on, on Zoom and out here looking at life all around me and how it's trying to show me it's unfolding before me, then I'm able to let go. So. Thank you for sharing that, Nelda. I really like that. And by the way, some in our group thought you wrote your Dharma talk specifically for us. So thank you for writing that. <laughs> just for me. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyone else? Uh, Rosemary. The people in my group, I just, I wanted to talk mostly about loving well um, and to say um, thank you to um, Epamata for helping me in this area so much. I think some of you with whom I sit um, frequently um, are probably aware, but um, yeah, because um, probably being an AV monitor is the thing that really helps me so much because I have a responsibility and I do some things well and I do some things not so well and I get corrected. And through all of that, I realize some of my obstacles. And um, it's really opened me up to that and how, um, uh, yeah, how I want so much to be connected and how some of these obstacles get in the way. So it's a big thank you to all of you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is one great big opportunity. <laughs> I think for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Okay. So every everybody. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And now we'll do the uh, rest of the program. <clears throat>